0: You're listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang.
1: Welcome to another episode of The 30 Podcast. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Don't forget, check us out at silverscreenandroll.com. Everything Lakers, Harrison, Anthony, Christian, the entire crew has you covered. You can follow us on Twitter at Lakers SBN, and you can follow me at Jazz Kang 21 Now, the Lakers, always the talk of the town when it comes to sports here in LA, with LeBron being in the city. They're at the forefront and center, again, of the entire NBA media world. Excited to have on with me today a man who really saw the rise of the modern era Lakers, a man who spent 24 years as the editor of the sports section at the LA Times, also became a columnist for Nine, Mr. Bill Dwyer. Bill, thanks for coming on
0: today. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: You know, it's funny. I was reading up a little bit, and then I realized that you'd moved from Milwaukee uh, over to LA in 1981. I'm from Canada. What is going on with the weather the last couple of days? I, I, I moved here to get away from that stuff.
0: Well, I have to go back for a family wedding in in a week uh, to Wisconsin, and, and I'm not looking forward to it. So <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. I I don't know that I have uh, the right clothing, but I'll figure it out somehow.
1: Oh, it's okay. We'll get you a we'll get you a parka, a Lakers parka, or something though. <laughs> they'll keep keep you warm yeah. there. Um, as I mentioned, you you moved moved over to L.A. in 1981. Uh, joined the L.A. Times that the year before the Lakers. Uh, had won the championship when Magic hit that gorgeous sky hook. Uh, when you initially came over here, what were your thoughts getting into it? And
0: did you realize how big the Lakers were in LA at the time? Well, I came in 1981. Um, and um, yes, I did. Uh, I had followed very closely, for example, the the final NCAA championship game, uh, uh, Indiana State and in Michigan State and in it had a real good sense for the fact that those two superstars were going to be something special in the NBA, and lo and behold, one of them is in is in LA, and obviously Magic Johnson. And so, yeah, I had a sense of that. Uh, I spent a little bit of my time in Milwaukee at the Milwaukee Journal, actually covering uh, the NBA. I was sports editor, but I covered a little bit of the NBA. At a paper that size, you do that, and I covered the I was there when Kareem came, um, uh, right out of college and, and, uh, there when they won, uh, they won a championship. I can't, I'm not sure of the year, I think it was 71. They beat both the Baltimore Bullets <laughs> in four games in the championship. In those days, uh, it wasn't quite as crazy. You don't send 15 reporters and you don't spend all of your, you didn't spend all of your newsprint on, on that, even though it was a championship, but it kept growing and, and, uh, and then uh i think there was uh in 74 i covered the the uh, bucks playing against the Boston celtics in this famous series and it went down to double overtime in boston garden in the sixth game and then kareem went to the baseline and then tossed in this 12-foot hook or 15-foot hook and and won the game and brought him back to milwaukee and then of course the celtics Beat him up pretty good and won the series in Milwaukee. But I have a lot of, a lot of memories of, of the NBA. So when I got here, uh, yeah, that was, I was certainly aware of what the Lakers were and I was certainly uh, interested in, in keeping my sports section in tune to that.
1: Bill, when you as you mentioned you got here in in '81, uh, the team was upset by Houston the first round that year. Looks like they got a piece of the Dwyer curse. We're gonna blame we're yep. gonna blame that one on you. But uh, uh, six games into the '81 '82 season, Matthew Johnson comes out to the media and he says he doesn't want to be here anymore. He didn't want to play for Paul Westhead. Uh, Doctor Buss ended up saying Jerry West will be the coach at that infamous press conference. Uh, the logo ended up backing off, mm-hmm. saying, "No, no, I'm not." Pat Riley will be the coach. Um, what was the feeling when, when you kind of saw that press conference? Was it, was it almost like, wow, what, what is going on here? Uh, was it confusion or was it almost a joke to, to the media?
0: Well, I was there. I was the one that stood up and and, and asked the, the, the smart-ass question because uh, if if I remember correctly, and I think I do because it's one of those moments you, you don't lose, uh, Jerry Buss apparently had uh, had... Some assurance from uh uh from not from Pat Riley but from Jerry West that, that Jerry was ready to take over. And uh so he went out and he made the the, the announcement that Jerry West would take over. Um, and uh lo and behold, uh Jerry stands up and says, Well no, you know, I really won't take over uh there's a bit of misunderstanding here pat riley is the man i want to coach pat riley's on the broadcast team and so we're all looking at each other like you know they've called a press conference and they don't have their ducks in a row what in the hell is going on here so i stood up and said and then i guess um jerry Bus said uh well me what will probably happen here is that um jerry west will uh coach the offense and pat riley will coach the defense and so I stood up and said, does that mean that um, when the ball's uh, on the Lakers side of the court that uh, Jerry West will be walking on the sidelines and when the ball's on the other side of the court? I asked some question like that that was totally yeah, sarcastic. Yeah. And the place just disintegrated." I remember Bob Steiner, who was a great friend and who was then the PR director, uh, kind of putting his face in his hands and saying, oh, my God, what is happening here? And then... <laughs> Turned out that Wes just didn't want the job and he hadn't communicated that properly to Bus or Bus hadn't understood it. So you, you got left with this, this guy who was a broadcaster named Pat Riley, who we thought, well, oh, what is he going to do? Well, he turns out to be one of the greatest coaches of all time. And this is what the Lakers did in those days, always. And that's, I'll never forget that.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that. I mean, the, the team really did take off. That was the start of the showtime era. It kind of became official when when Riley took over. Uh, how, what was the coverage like as the team started getting rolling? Was there like, the, did the city become galvanized? Like, was everybody starting to get back into it? And, and did that joke kind of dissipate that, oh, all right, you know what? Maybe Dr. Buss does know what he's doing here.
0: Yeah, there was always that, you know, and and, and West State, you know, uh, between uh, Jerry Buss and Jerry West, there was always this, i don't know native intelligence that um that they knew when to make the right moves it's like when it was time i remember was at the olympics and It was time we started hearing about how they're gonna they're gonna trade for Shaq, and we thought Shaq, they don't need Shaq. that's not gonna work you know and and yet they knew what they had to do to win titles and they did it and it was always that way no matter what the the kerfuffle once, uh, in public or even behind the scenes, they, they always got to the right conclusion. And, and I, I grew to, to, uh, be amazed by Jerry West over the years and be in total, um, respect for Jerry Buss. This was a guy who really, uh, he may not have looked like he was, uh, the grand executive and, and decision maker, but he was.
1: What made what made Dr. Bus so special in that way? And it's funny because I remember I was here uh, back in 2012 in in Los Angeles. I'd come over after I'd finished um, journalism school and uh, got an internship, and that was just after Dr. Bus had had passed away, and, and Jim Bus was t- had taken over the team at the time, and th- the team was struggling. I mean, it was in disarray. Yeah, they bought in Dwight Howard. Yeah, they bought in Steve Nash, and I remember a lot of the a lot of the fans who had been around a long time, they were mentioning, hey. Man, you know, we miss Dr. Buss. We need Dr. Buss. What made him so special, especially coming when it comes to making those types of decisions, not only to win championships, but also
0: as a businessman as well? Very simple to answer. And I've uh, analyzed this over the years many times and even written a little bit about it. There are people in all walks of business and life who are able, who are intelligent with the subject matter they're dealing with. Jerry Buss was dealing with a professional basketball team. But they also are able to filter out the noise. Jerry Buss always filtered out the noise and always made sure that, that while he listened to the millions of people who know so much and actually know nothing, including fans, including sports writers, including mm-hmm. probably uh, coaches and assistant coaches he was dealing with, he he had a sense for what was the right thing to do. He had a sense for two and three years down the line, and he filtered out all the rest of that noise and made his decision. And uh, there are people like that in all walks of life, uh, and they're highly successful. And uh, that's why they filter out the noise. What was, what
1: was the atmosphere like at the Forum during those days? I mean, especially as they, they got rolling, they were going into uh, the, the 82 final against Philly, um played them back and back obviously lost in three to, to philadelphia against the sixers but what what was the forum like i mean it's such a historic place and and you know for people like me i was born in the in the early 80s so i was too young to what well, wasn't even around for the first series but um you know what, what was that like like just being in the in the the building and kind of seeing what the the celebrity of it all was it just overwhelming for that period of, of time if you're looking at the 80s especially well i don't
0: know if it was overwhelming i mean it was uh it was a fabulous forum. It wasn't just a forum. It was a fabulous forum. I remember coming here and a and, uh, guy from Wisconsin, you know, from the snow of Wisconsin, and I uh, started walking around in February and March uh, uh, to, to the forum and, and knowing that it was 10 degrees below zero where I came from. And, and I walked up to the – I remember one of the first times I went to uh, went to the forum. I, I might have even been for a hockey game. I remember one of the things on the menu was quiche Lorraine. <laughs> what in hell quiche lorraine at a hockey game or well, you know this this is a different world you know you try to put Keish lorraine at a blackhawks game a, in the in the concessions in the blackhawks game and they'll tear your heart out <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's just it was just a difficult quick it was uh the other thing about the forum was um uh the forum club you'd get in there after you'd write your story and you'd go in there afterwards you had access to that and you'd sit around and you'd you talked to Jerry Buss, you talked to Chick Hearn, who was a distant relative of mine, and you talked to Stu Lance and you talked to all these people and the you know, all the movie stars and wander in and you just kinda it was like um I remember the first time I came to LA uh, just for the job interview and I'm driving along the Freeway in a taxi cab and, and I look to my right and the freeway kinda s- slows up and I look to my right and and there's a guy in the in the car next to me, he's a movie star. I think it was Nicholson Jack Nicholson, you no, know, no think, way my god this this is this is l a you know I just uh, what, what am I doing here but uh the form was like that, it was um movie stars and uh, you know um beautiful people with great jewelry and great clothes you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it took a while to get that but used to it and realize that you know they sort to play a game and people have to make decisions and they had to win and because every time they needed to do something correctly and they needed to rally, they needed to get, get going, Magic could make a hook or something or, you know, Kareem would come in and score 45. So it was, it was uh, an amazing time. I'd been uh, the person at the Milwaukee Journal who broke the story uh, about the Kareem at Bill Jabbar Treaty here, And uh, so I was very, very close to the NBA scene in those days and remember it well.
1: Yeah, it must have been a, an awesome time. I mean, especially in the, in the, you know, as you got towards the mid 80s with, with the Lakers Celtic, the kind of the second chapter of the rivalry, you know, Russell and Wilt was the first part. Uh, the Bird versus Magic era kind of just started getting started. Um, what was the 1984 finals like? I mean, it's an all time, you know, all, all those series that they played were, were amazing. But that 84 finals, did you start to see, all right, this is, these are going to be the teams to beat for the next four or five years here?
0: Yes, you did. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Yes, you
1: did. <laughs> and then what, what about the 85 season? As the, as the Lakers came off that loss to the Celtics, was there a different renewed energy with them? Like, did they seem more focused on the goal? Like, all right, we are getting the job done this year?
0: Well, you you, you know, you hear a lot of words. Um, and the words are to that effect. You know, we, we have to – I always look at that when season ended. They said, well, we'll get them next year. And I, I always thought, these guys have just gone through hell and they've got to be dead tired and now they're committing to uh to i mean the, riley committed to winning like the third time and you're thinking my like, god they must be too tired to even think about that but they weren't these are professional athletes and this was a, a magical time in la and so uh yeah you kind of knew that uh for some teams that would be such a downer that they might just come apart and play out options and stuff like that but for the lakers in those days that was just there's another year coming, and we'll kick ass. Yeah, that well, they didn't kick ass the next year because the '86 season, right, Ralph
1: Sampson right. hit that hit that crazy, crazy buzzer beater that uh, still haunts some of the Lakers fans so this day. We're not we're going to skip that entire season wipe it from our memory, pretend it didn't happen. But that '86 '87 um, championship series, Bird and Magic, final time they met up uh, for the title. What was the emotion like in that series? And and did you know? I mean, leading into it, like we're we're going to see something special here.
0: Yes. Again, I'll give you a short answer. There was no question you're going see something special. We, we, you know, when, you're, when you're, you see so many games, you you have to get yourself kind of up for it and say, you know, all right, this is the finals. This is where these guys excel. These guys have been sensational every step of the way. But it's going to go up a notch if that's possible,
1: and it did. What was your favorite part about covering, covering those, that rivalry between Bird and Magic? <laughs>
0: Well, my favorite part. Remember, I was a sports editor, and uh, I was assigning people to do that. And I would go to games and kind of be around. And if I did any writing, it would be the fifth or sixth sidebar. So, my favorite part of covering it was was seeing what it did for my sports section. It created interest, it created uh, circulation, it created readership. And I I kind of was pulling strings, but I wasn't uh, typing the words into the typewriter in those days. I, I kind of wished I was. I, I admit to being A little bit jealous for the guys who were doing it all the time, but uh, uh, I was kind of uh, the the guy in the suit in the office uh, pulling the strings more than I was seeing every bid and being at every press conference. So my view was a little bit different, but I I knew the overall picture was this was great for LA and great for the NBA and great for my newspaper.
1: Stressful time for you being in that role, or did you were you did you kind of embrace it and and was it just like you know a helter skelter always on the go, or were you a man who was like you know what like Doctor Buss, you kind of had it all figured out and you knew what to do?
0: No, not at all. I was 36 years old when I came when I came here and was named Sports Editor three months after I got here, and there's never been anybody less ready for a job like that than I was. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was just I was too young. I had been Sports Editor the Milwaukee Journal. Uh, which was you know a good a good proving ground but i I remember telling myself that this is the big leagues this is the big time Uh, do not start uh throwing your weight around like you know what you're doing spend some time listen learn the area learn the people uh, listen more than you talk and uh i got through it but i tell you it was there was so much going on I, i relied on a lot of people, I had a lot of good assistant sports editors, the writers, uh, people like Randy Harvey and Mike Littlin and, and uh, Scott Osler and Steve Springer, they they were very good about um, saying, you know, the decision you made on that uh, might be wrong, you might wanna rethink that. I've always been pretty good at listening and letting my reporters have a say in things and they helped immensely because I, I was saved from hundreds of mistakes by my own guys.
1: Well, it looks like you did the opposite of me because I like to talk, 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 and, and I don't like to listen. That's why I guess I'm st- stuck where I'm at. But uh, uh, moving on, you're looking at that, you know, this lost um, to Michael Jordan and the Bulls in the 91 finals. The next year, Magic Johnson came out, you know, made the announcement. He was HIV positive. What do you remember from that day, and, and how was the mood in the city?
0: <laughs> I was at a, uh, a star going on the Walk of Fame. A hollywood locker fame um for a guy named jim healy you ever heard of jim healy i haven't who's that my god everybody's listening to this who's over the age of 40 will say my god jim healy had a show <laughs> uh, a radio show which was like none you've ever heard you gotta you gotta everybody who's listening here ought to if they haven't heard of jim healy go to the internet get some of the shows he did a he did a show with voices and and commentary half an hour every night, and uh, people would would leave work uh, to get on the freeway to listen to a show at five or five thirty at night. <clears throat> and um, he was just he was just phenomenal. And I forgot where I was going with this. Uh, what was your question again?
1: Well, the, the, the day magic, or because you said you were at the Walk of Fame for for Jim Healy, but oh, it was yeah. the day that magic. He was, came getting, out his, he was
0: getting his. I'm sorry, he was getting a star on the Walk of Fame. I went off on my Healy tangent. Uh, you became starstruck we, by Jim Healy there. there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's how big he was. And and uh we got the word in the middle of the ceremony standing there in the sidewalk that something was important in Magic called a press conference. So we all poor Healy, he was kinda of left there alone. Uh, we all got in our cars and zipped to the to the forum and and uh Magic got up and uh to his credit said exactly what he had to say and the way he had to say it just direct and foremost and at that time if you had uh hiv it was a it was an announcement of your death there was not a real good sense that they could put together these cocktails of of drugs that would save your life we had no sense of that it it was early in the hiv and and aids uh, uh time and and People used learning about it, and so it was like a man standing up and announcing his own funeral. And I'll never forget it. It was like, you know, this is a press conference. Or what are you saying? It was just like this big cloud came over everything, because uh, this was a guy that we loved, him, and as it turns out, wonderfully, everybody still does love. And so uh, it, it was tough, but uh, you know, he, he was on the forefront of being able to afford all the medicine that you needed to, to have to survive and keep it from becoming AIDS, and he did, and, and uh, his his process through this whole thing uh, gave a lot of hope to other people who were struck down by this. And, and uh, I think he saved a lot of lives by just being front and foremost about it. And uh, But yes, your, your question was, what was it like? It was horrible.
1: You know, you mentioned Magic, kind of the the lure that he has, and every everybody loves him. um You know, looking at that time, it was about you know twenty five, twenty six years ago, uh, even prior prior to the announcement. What made him so magnetic as, as a man? Like, why did people like him so much?
0: Very simple, just a, a smile, a, a forthrightness about him, a personality that you know, come on over, oh, well, let's talk. He, he was not the least bit aloof. He was not the least bit. You know, Kareem. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the, the best people I've ever met, and one of the you know I consider him somewhat of a friend. Although I don't see him much anymore, but uh, he was just shy, and, and uh, so people thought he was he was standoffish and not a good person. It's funny how you you judge people by the front of the book, and uh, Kareem is as deep and intelligent a guy as you ever want to meet, and one of the better writers I've ever read. Uh, and uh, Magic, the front of the book was open to everything, and the smile was wide as it can be, and the, and the and the sense of I'm playing in the NBA, I make a lot of money, but boy, am I having fun, and I hope you have fun with me. It was right there.
1: Was he? Do you have a do you have a particular moment uh, that you remember about Magic that that you know something you'll never ever forget, just in terms of dealing with him off the court, especially? <laughs>
0: Yeah, there was I – I don't even remember the occasion, but there was a dinner uh, honoring something or other that I was involved with over in Palm Springs. And somebody asked Magic if he would come. And this is the middle of the basketball season. These guys are traveling all over the place. And he showed up brought chick Hearn, brought a number of other players and made a speech and it had something to do with me, some award that I might have gotten when anybody knew who the hell I was, which is no longer the case and uh I still do was, Bill, so <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that makes two you and my wife uh, uh and it it was so gratifying, and I saw him years later it seemed in the, in the uh, media room at staples and he'd come over and talk about it and he you know he, he always remembered he retained uh faces and names pretty well so i remember that he didn't need to do that he you know good lord go to palm springs in the middle of basketball season, to make a speech about some sports writer and he did that i'll never forget that
1: after after magic had, had had left the team um because of his illness and and he was away from from the sport now uh the, the lakers overall were were okay between 92 and 96 they only missed the playoffs for one season and as you kind of mentioned before when we were talking um Shaq decides to, to come on over in the 96 offseason was that just like a whoa moment because i mean people got to remember the, you know this is way before the internet days where the rumors come out before anything's actually officially announced so what was the reaction like at the times where you guys just like oh man we got to get on this uh, you know even that day was it was it kind of historic in, in its own right
0: it was during the olympics 96 was atlanta i was in atlanta olympics were a big deal for the los angeles times and still are uh we're gonna have our third one here in, you know eight or nine years or ten years and uh i remember starting to hear about it and, and when you're at the olympics jazz you everything is it's all consuming you have just the events going on here I'm running the operation, and I think I was running the operation for a number of other Times mirror newspapers in those days uh I can't remember exactly which ones, but you know with the Denver we doing the Denver Post for a while and we own Newsday in New York and for a while uh, the Dallas Times Herald I'm not sure if they were still around, but we used to run one big operation and and this came this started to come up that that shaq was going to come and join the Lakers and the Jerry bus or Jerry West was was orchestrating it was just like my god what what we don't have any more place in the paper to put anything like this and what are we going to do and it can't be possible that your first your first thought is my god I I don't have enough manpower and and space for this so maybe it won't happen but then you start thinking this is this is great Kobe and 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 Shaq and and so it happened. We covered the hell out of it. I think I sent some people home <laughs> from Atlanta. I don't remember for sure, but uh, it it was uh, it was quite a thing. But that happened in the middle of the Summer Olympics in 1996 in Atlanta.
1: That's right, because there was friction between Penny Hardaway and, and Shaq. I remember that now too. That because uh, he was, you know, obviously Penny's teammate, and they were coming off getting their butts kicked by the Bulls in the '96 playoffs. Um, so yeah. obviously there was a little bit. But you know, if, if you look at Shaq coming over here. Um, now LeBron's, Le- LeBron's come over to LA. It, it has to say something about the organization too, because it's like, you know, Donald Sterling owned the Clippers. He couldn't bring anybody here. So I know sometimes people are like, everybody wants to play in LA. Well, yeah, I mean, people would, would choose to play in LA over a place like Detroit, let's say, but, um, you know, they want to go to a stable organization. Now, you know, as a team started to get back on track there and, and, Dr. Buss, you know, made the right moves and Jerry West, who I never think gets enough credit for all he's done with a lot of the major, Um, NBA teams we've had over the years as as Shaq and Kobe started to come together going into that 99-2000 season did did you see some of that not not I don't want to say the same as Showtime um, because that's a different era in itself but did you see some of that greatness starting to come together between them as well
0: yeah I mean they the Lakers have always been magic and and uh, you know in in more ways than one and uh, some of that was returning I mean they were they were winning, and and Kobe and and Shaq never really got along that well, but they pretended well, and they had a respect for each other, and the the basketball ability, they played well together. So, yeah, you could you could see it come back, and you you kept saying to yourself, oh "My God, here we go again. This is this is a a, a franchise and an organization that never seems to do anything wrong, and if they dip a little bit, they'll be back instantly. That's why this this." Uh, after Jerry Buss died and the long lull that we've gone through is so hard on people because you get to assume that the Lakers will be the Lakers that you know, I and mean, it's not that easy.
1: You you mentioned that they, they didn't get along as well or, or, or so well. What, what do you, in your opinion,
0: why did they have so much tension between them? Just personality. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just, just personality. They're, they're both, they both are the alpha dog, you know. And two alpha dogs in one pack don't always work well together. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, uh, that was Phil Jackson wasn't it? He was keeping them together, and he was mm-hmm. using his psychology and stuff. And, and I think he was perfect for that because Phil, uh, you know, he could he could um, kind of mesmerize you into thinking that the baloney he was handing you from some book was actually important. And and uh he kept he kept it kept it afloat uh it took somebody like that but you know there's two great players and, and it, you know uh the big headline is Shaq. kobe looks at it and thinks well i got 35 myself why is the big headline be? And It just would go on and on it's just normal you had two tremendous egos and because you're not going to become players like they were without tremendous egos
1: well, now we know the reason why the headline said that is because Mr. Dwyer is the one, the one who said that that's going to be the headline, that Shaq had 37 in 35. <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: <so. laughs> no, that's probably true. Yeah, I, I'm sure I played a role in that, but the, <laughs> the, you know, the next night it was reversed, so it didn't
1: matter. <laughs> How many more championships do you think they could have won realistically had they stuck together? I mean, Shaq won one in Miami in 06. I think that was his really last last great great year that he had. He might have had one more run in him
0: after that, but do you think they could have won a couple more? I do. I think maybe one more, uh, but it's hard to maintain. You know, winning one and people always say winning the first the title is great. Winning the repeating is much more difficult than, uh, repeating championships because it's just not your your skills. It's just uh, it's just sometimes the bounce of the ball. It's Ralph Sampson. It's you know it happens. And uh, then the season's over and you got to start over again. And you're getting older as you do that. So, you know, that's the same thing with LeBron right now. Can he do it some more? Can he maintain? He's amazing at, at what he's done already at his age and, and how he maintains it. But, you know, can you really Can you really step it up that much, uh, particularly with Steph Curry in the league, uh can you really do that uh, one more time? And that's why this is also an amazing story and it involves the Lakers as it usually does
1: you you know we're looking back at that that Shaq Kobe time. Um, you know and this was right around when you when you transitioned from being the editor mm-hmm. into to a columnist with the times uh, when you look at dr. Bus. Why you know because he always seemed to have the magic touch uh, you know everything he he really came across for the most part in publicly at least turned into gold. Why couldn't you know did did he become frustrated to a point too that like all right this ha- we have to have a resolution to this or was there any frustration on his part for not being
0: able to make it work? Uh, I'm sure there was, but uh, one thing about Jerry Buss is uh, that his his public utterances were never. Uh, Never were in such a way they would, um, affect negatively on the team. He might, you know, say positive about the team, but his, his tough business decisions and his tough judgments were made behind closed doors with, with a few, uh, confidants. And, uh, so uh, to get into his head at that time as to what he was thinking, uh, you never heard him say publicly, you know, we gotta get rid of Shaq because he's getting in Kobe's way. You could see when he gave Kobe the big contract, how you know the, the kind of going out the door contract that a lot of fans thought was silly because Kobe was over the hill at that point—not over the hill, but you know, not ready prime. to. Yeah, past his total prime, and you could see their that affection. But I do not think that means he had he did not have similar affection for Shaq. Shaq just went his own way. Shaq did his own thing, and, and uh, that was what happened.
1: And as I mentioned, you, you had shift, you'd shift over into a column after, after a column that's part of me, after Shaq had left um, the team, you know, struggled for those couple of years, the Smush Parker, Kobe Bryant years, uh, you know, they had some uh, not very good rosters, but they started to come together and made, you know, three finals in a row. Um, although Kobe said all the right things in front of the camera, especially after winning the back-to-back championships in 09 and 10, could you see a sense of relief on him for the fact that he did it without Shaq?
0: Well, th- to be honest with you, once I became a columnist, you have to kind of split up the duties. And Bill Plaschke was the number one columnist. Uh, I went uh, uh, to great extents once Jim Murray died. I was the greatest columnist ever in the sports department anywhere. Uh, once he died and left us with that void, I had to, uh, maintain, uh, a level of column readers and um, Plashkey was, had been starting to write some columns. He's a great baseball writer. And I sensed that he he had the, the, the work ethic and the, the written abilities and the turn of phrase to do it. And so uh, I negotiated and kept him around and he was the replacement for Jim Murray. So I put him in that spot and then when I became a columnist, which was a Several years later, uh, a good five or six years later, when I stopped being a sports editor, uh, I, I pretty much was not interested in getting in his way. Columnists on newspapers, you got to remember, kind of compete, and they they want the good story. They both want to write about the good story. All three of them want write, to write about the good story. So when I became a columnist, uh, Plaschke did a lot of the Dodgers and I did a lot of the Angels. Plaschke did a lot of the Lakers and I did a lot of the Clippers. and I was fond of the Clippers. I still am. I think Doc Rivers is a wonderful guy, and I go way back with Doc. So, uh, to answer your question honestly, I suddenly had my my uh, vision and my focus on something else, and I knew a lot less about what was going on with the Lakers and and have the last couple of years than I did when I was a sports editor and had to know. Hmm.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you're looking at the the Clippers and the and the Lakers now and when you know, you got your just simply a spectator, what are your thoughts so far about about LeBron and and how the team's looking and and really how how the how the city's been since since he made his announcement of coming here.
0: Well, first of all, I I think Luke Walton is a is a great choice as coach and I, I, he's a smart guy and uh I think it's perfect. His background is perfect. Um the ball kid uh i think he needs to shake off what his father presented to the world and and be his own man i think he's trying to do that i think he's getting better all the time i think it's difficult to play anybody it's difficult to play with lebron because lebron can basically go one on five on every play and sometimes does and so to fit these pieces together is not an overnight situation it's not an overnight progress in process it's a it's a long process, and I'd be very surprised if they were particularly effective deep into the playoffs this year. Next year, however, hmm, it's a be, possibility. It'd be fun to see if Lonzo Ball uh, does what we all expect him to do and distributes the ball. That's what Magic likes. Magic sees a lot of himself in Lonzo Ball. And if LeBron can find a way to play with him effectively, and, and there's a lot of other young stars in the team, uh, you know, I, I don't see much this year. Uh, the Clippers may be better this year than they are right now uh, than the Lakers. But next year, watch out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if
1: any of the uh, big big free agents come over what moves uh, Magic and, and Rob Palenka make going into the uh, offseason. Uh, Bill, I'll get you out of here on this. In your opinion, we, we've talked about a lot of the great Lakers, Kareem, Magic Johnson, Kobe, Shaq. Who is the best Laker of all time?
0: I don't even hesitate. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, I, I make that judgment based on uh, not only what he did; uh, he's still a leading score in the NBA, I assume, um, all yeah, time. He is. Yeah, number one. Hope uh, I got those stats right. Um, but uh, the longevity of his career and what he became—he is—he is a social, um, uh, important social person in the world right now. His writings are transcendent. Uh, One thing that just struck me incredibly well about, about Kareem was about three seasons ago, the Atlanta Hawks had this controversy, and I don't mean to go on and on and kind of off on a tangent here, but this tells you all you need to know about Kareem, I think, or much of what you need to know about Kareem. And the owner said something about we have too many black people in the stands, too many black people. And, 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 uh, and of course, I think the owner eventually had to quit or was fired or was bought out or something because it's such a racist theme. And Kareem comes out in an article in Time Magazine and says, well, you know, uh, he, I can understand what he was saying because he was, he didn't say it well, but what he meant was that black people don't have as much money as white people in this day and age. And, Uh, the guy's running a business and you need to understand he's running a business. Now that was a huge step of, um, logic or something. I'm not even sure he was right, but to to have the guts to say that in a public forum and to, to go through and logically look at this a little deeper than anybody else. Not just knee jerk react to this is racist. The guy's terrible. Uh, struck me as so uh, interesting that that it further solidified why I would say he's uh, the greatest Laker of all time, and I'll stand by that forever.
1: Yeah, he, he, you know, it's uh, I, I didn't obviously know much about him as as a youngster. I mean, I'd heard, oh, everybody who knows basketball at some point has heard the name Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but just you know, hearing him and 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 hearing some of the stories, and I read the book that he had. Um, you know, it, it was fascinating, and just to see how deep he is um you know definitely i think it would have been a special time and i think he'd be a lot more revered if he was a player now uh for his depth and and his mode of thinking than than maybe he got attention for back in those days
0: yeah and i think so i think uh sports writers could have done a better job of presenting him as to what he really was instead of being angry when he was kind of surly after a game and didn't like give him a quote who cares you know i i, I was interviewing kareem abdul jabbar as a sports writer at the milwaukee journal and there were many times when he was not happy or surly or just you're basically shy. It wasn't that he wasn't a good person, he was just shy and and, and so uh if you carry around that I didn't get a good quote from him, so he's he's a bad guy. Uh, you know, there's something wrong with us. Uh, he's he's far from that. He's so deep and so intelligent and I I always tend towards uh if you ask me a question like you just asked me, tend towards a guy who showed me he can write and boy can he write. And so that's my pick. <laughs> Well, in that case, I will not send you any of the columns
1: or, or articles I have written because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be judged by that. Right. Oh, uh, feel you know, it's been, uh, it's been amazing talking to you. I really appreciate you taking the time out to do this.
0: My pleasure. Anytime. Uh, and good luck with your, your uh, job uh, advancements. I hope. I wish you well.
1: Thank you very much. That's uh, that's Bill Dwyer, uh, formerly of the LA Times, longtime sports editor, also a columnist. Don't forget to check us out. You can subscribe to the 30 podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, you name it, we got it. And you can go to silverscreenandroll.com for everything Lakers. Uh, as I mentioned, Harrison, Anthony, and the crew got you covered. Uh, Every day, new content coming up there. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at LakersSBN. You can check me out at Jaz Kang 21 I'll talk to you next week.